We now continue with more of The Mark Milton Show with The Smash on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. I hear the train coming, it's rolling around the bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison. All right, we're back at The Mark Milton Show with The Smash. <laughs> That was a tribute to Professor Anders Walker, who used to join us from time to time at the Great Grizzly Bear in Soulard, if you recall. Really? Yeah, he could throw it down the guitar. We'd get him up there, and he'd, he'd play a little bit, wouldn't you? That's right. Are you still doing that, or are the, are the students not as fun as they used to be? Well, I recently picked up the ukulele. <laughs> okay. Under the lockdown, I can't get out and play the guitar anymore, so now I just have to How come bother my kids. when people say, I picked up the ukulele, people laugh at them? I don't Does know. Does that to you every time, like... Dave, our producer, a very quiet fellow, all of a sudden he bursts out into a mocking sort of laughter. Yeah, I don't know. It's two <laughs> less strings you got to worry about. It's tons of fun. Can you do Folsom Prison with it? Or Sure. All right. <laughs> the Hawaiian version? Yeah, maybe? it gives kind of a Hawaiian <laughs> yes. vibe. Well, you're listening to the Mark Milton Show with the Smash here, broadcasting from the Miller Furniture Studios. I want to tell you about Kevin Wingenbach, State Farm yeah. insurance agent. Got my premium bill this <clears> month, and again, can't be happier with the rates I'm getting. If you've got uh, insurance you're not happy with, if you want to get a new quote on home and auto, please be sure to check out Kevin Wingenbach State Farm. You can uh, visit his website, SoCoInsurance.com, for more information. Give him a call. It's free to get a quote, on, like I said, on your homeowner's auto, um, life insurance, whatever you may need insurance-wise. Uh, please consider giving Kevin a call. So, Professor Walker. Might I stop you sure. for a second? Professor, let me ask you, you've seen this young man put forth many a dissertation, not only on paper, but vocally. What do you think about his endorsement delivery capabilities right now? Would you think that many people are probably going to purchase whatever product he is putting forth? I think uh, Tucker Carlson may have some competition. <laughs> oh, and Mark, you, know, you might want to think about TV. Oh wow, oh, wow. You're, you're looking good. We like you're looking you. good. Dre- you. Dressing sharp. <laughs> we need to. We've talked about doing video, but uh, Smash and I are probably both built for radio. Yeah. That's kind of what we've uh, yeah. we've uh, decided. Um, so last segment we talked about the McCloskey situation. Uh, remains to be seen uh, as we sit here today on Thursday whether or not you know he he will be charged. He and his wife. Uh, hopefully not. I think, frankly, it will only bring more attention to a situation that has already created more of a black eye for the the St. Louis region. Yeah. And that's one of the things I said at the beginning is, you know, it's just very unfortunate that that it happened, um, that it got so much national attention, um, you know, again, for St. Louis after Ferguson and all that we've been through. Um, and even more recently, I know there, there was a book that came out uh, recently that uh, you've been very critical of, Professor Walker. Uh, by a, is it a Harvard professor, Walter Johnson, The Broken Heart of America? Is that the name of the book? That's right. I haven't read it. Frankly, I don't really want to give them the time of day because I've read read the summaries, uh, and it's very critical of the St. Louis region. St. Louis City um, paints a very uh, bleak picture of our past and, frankly, our future. Uh, give us a summary of what he is, is saying in that book and, and your response. So here is something that's interesting uh, for me. I teach history at the law school and to undergrads. And Walter Johnson is an acclaimed historian at Harvard. He actually comes from Columbia, Missouri. And he just did a short piece on the McCleskey incident in the Boston Review. And then he's got this new book on St. Louis. And it is a double-barrel attack on free enterprise. Uh, Johnson is not too interested in St. Louis. What he really wants to do is he really wants to say that capitalism is racist. Wow. wow. And he's written two books on slavery. And I think that 
no one's going to really argue that slavery was racist and people were making money. It was capitalism. But Johnson in this new book on St. Louis says it wasn't just uh, the South. It was also the West. And then it was uh, industry and it was St. Louis into the 20th century. And what uh, is bothering me about this is Johnson's a prominent figure. And there's a new school of history right now called the New History of Capitalism. And it is all making the argument that capitalism, free enterprise system, is in intrinsically racist. And somebody needs to respond to this because uh, the truth of the matter is it's not racist. And if anybody wants to do something about uh, <clears throat> racial inequality or racism, including, for example, reparations, you're going to need capitalism to pay for it. And we've learned that. Uh, I just taught this spring undergrads the comparison between the U.S. system and the Scandinavian system or the Nordic model, because you may remember during the Democratic primary, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders said we both need to be like Sweden. Yeah. Well, Sweden realized in the 90s that they needed free markets. They needed capitalism because they needed to pay for the welfare state. And they've effectively done away with uh, poverty, but your average middle-class Swede pays something like 60% of their income in taxes. Let me ask you, based on what you just said, Professor, if capitalism is racist, then what ism should take its place? Well, that's a great question. And there's another guy who's probably even more prominent than Johnson named Ibram X. Kendi. And he just got a job at Boston University, and he just wrote a book called How to Be an Anti-Racist. Uh-huh. And this book is flying off the shelves. Everybody wants to know how to be an anti-racist. <laughs> Now, once upon a time, you don't judge people by the color of their skin. That was not being a racist. It used to be called prejudice. Well, according to Kendi, and I quote, capitalism is racist. And if you love capitalism, you also love racism. So if you want to be an anti-racist, you have to be an anti-capitalist. Well, Kendi went on Politico and wrote uh, a piece on what we should do to address this. And his proposal was, I kid you not, a ministry. He called it the Department of Anti-Racism. And he wants a constitutional amendment to create this department. It's going to be run by experts, presumably him, maybe Walter Johnson, not elected officials, not even appointed officials. They're going to suspend First Amendment rights, and then they're going to punish anyone who is not sufficiently anti-racist, i.e. anti-capitalist. So Kendi has gone even farther than Johnson. I think Johnson's like Trotsky. Kendi's Stalin. He's really? just going to take away constitutional rights. Yeah, and you know, this is how these things work. Like <clears throat> totalitarianism always kind of is rolled out under these aspirational goals of we're going to improve everybody's lives, we're going to do away with inequality, and then before you know it, people people are on trains to the uh, <clears throat> the gulag. Yep. We're talking with Professor Anders Walker from St. Louis University School of Law, criminal law professor, constitutional law professor, uh, and also a history teacher, correct, for undergraduate students. Um, You know, one of the things I talked about recently was, you know, we've got it pretty good in this country. You know, Americans in general, in terms of, uh, you know, our, our, our lifestyle, our quality of living. And, you know, I don't know how you can argue that capitalism hasn't lifted more people out of poverty than any other system. When you look at the socialist systems or communists and all those things. And so to smash this point, what do you see happening if, if, Let's say Biden, who's been out there advocating for the abolition of shareholder capitalism, which I don't I mean, to me, that's just he's advocating against capitalism. So how do you see this playing out in terms of 
you know, a federal takeover and, and implementation of socialism, communism, whatever you want, Marxism, whatever you may may call it. Where do you see our country headed in the next three to five years? So <clears throat> I think the Democratic Party is about to splinter. I think there's going to be a pretty radical left wing of the party who's going to push for social democracy, which is what we see in Europe, places like Scandinavia. They're not anti-capitalist, but they're very heavy taxes. So you're talking about 60% income tax for upper middle class folks, very high 25% sales tax. Moderate Democrats, when they see the bill for that, are going to walk out of the restaurant. And they're going to look for an alternative, and that's going to be the Republican Party. All the Republican Party has to do is to deliver a inclusive, positive message about free enterprise and the good things about America. And I think we're going to see a cadre of Republican leaders in 2024 who are going to do this. It's going to be people like Nikki Haley, Josh Hawley, maybe George P. Bush. And I think the Republican Party is going to end up uh, gaining from this. See, one of the concerns I have with the, the recent COVID uh, stimulus, bailout, whatever you want to call it, is the argument that we can't afford something doesn't hold as much credibility when you have the government printing money yeah. to seemingly solve our problems. And so I have a lot of concern over that argument because it's obvious we can't afford these programs, but we, we've lost the ability to make that argument when we continue to just print money and give it out so willy-nilly. So how do you combat people who say, well, we can afford it. We can print the money or we can raise taxes and do all these things. Well, so that, I think, probably surprised a lot of people during the lockdown. Democrats and Republicans came together and just started cutting checks. So I think somebody at some point has got to come in and say we need some fiscal responsibility and we need to right. figure out how to pay for some of this. And we need to actually cut spending, not increase it. But as a historian, when you look at $25 trillion in debt. A three, they announced this week there's a $3 trillion annual deficit. What eventually will happen to the United States if we don't take steps to curb the deficit and reduce our debt? Well, I think if people stop buying bonds, and I, I believe the number one holder of American bonds is China, and just imagine right. China could, as a political move, say we don't want to buy right. any more American debt, right. then we're going to be in trouble. And China, keep in mind, has a very clean balance sheet of its own. So it's the setting up for them to do just that. That's one of the biggest concerns I have is that we are yeah. a slave to China in a sense. If you think about in biblical sense of being a debtor, I mean, we are a debtor to China. And to your point, they could just stop buying our, our bonds. And then what do we, I mean, the Chinese currency then becomes the dollar. I mean, the, the, the leading currency in the U. I mean, could that happen? Well, worst case scenario, we become a country that's just printing money with uh, runaway inflation. So inflation would take over price of goods. Yeah, I mean, when you think about what we've printed, uh, the stimulus checks and all that, I mean, have we seen that happen yet? With I mean, it's probably too soon to see uh, inflationary uh, issues with, with the stimulus that we've issued so far. I mean, it wasn't an insignificant amount. I mean, we talked about the 08 stimulus was people, I mean, I feel like Republicans went crazy because it was $800 billion. How was it spent? And here, I think we've spent over a trillion already. Yeah. With no real accountability, no real measure of how, you know, how it's going to impact our economy. It was really just done as an emergency, emergency, emergency thing to just kind of keep us afloat. Right. So I don't, I don't think we know yet what the ramifications are, but if it keeps going, I think there are going to be some bad ones. So let's get back to this Walter Johnson, uh, his take on, on St. Louis in particular. Did his book touch on St. Louis and what were some of the specific criticisms of St. Louis, I mean, in terms of being a racist uh, community? 
Well, so Johnson uh, starts with St. Louis during the 19th century with Lewis and Clark, and he talks about how St. Louis was important for westward expansion. And we have branded ourselves the gateway to the West. And according to Johnson, the westward expansion was basically a campaign of genocide. And what we did is we annihilated Native Americans, and then we stole their property. And then we plundered the continent, and we created this kind of evil empire, and St. Louis was the center of it. And then during the 20th century, we started to engage in all kinds of racist projects against African Americans. Now, missing from this story is that St. Louis actually suffered during the 20th century because it wasn't that racist. A lot of companies and jobs moved south because of low wages. St. Louis had a uh, strong labor movement, high wages, and it became a rust belt city, partly because jobs moved south and they moved overseas. So St. Louis was a victim of free trade. Uh, St. Louis was a victim of policies that had nothing to do with St. Louis. And I think if you just look at St. Louis as kind of the seat of racism, you miss uh, some of the bigger stories about what's happened in this country. And capitalism, let's face it, is destructive. It's called, you know, creative destruction. New technologies will disrupt entire markets. It can send people out of business, out of jobs. We do that, though, because it pushes technology forward. And if you don't push technology forward, you're going to end up the Soviet Union. You're going to end up backward, and you're going to be doomed. <clears throat> and so in the United States, we've had centers of commerce like St. Louis, but then we've seen commerce move. So it moves south. It also moves west, Seattle, San Francisco. I don't think anyone can argue that Silicon Valley has been a bad thing for the United States, but I think St. Louis has suffered from that. So now we're trying to bring business back to St. Louis. The way to do that, though, is not to blame St. Louis for uh, racial capitalism. Yeah, but as we try to bring businesses back into St. Louis, what do you say about the Centene deal where we're getting ready to lose about 6,000 people as far as employees are concerned? Well, that's bad news. I mean, yeah. there is a building downtown where Centene could expand. Yeah. Uh, it's right next to the law school. Well, so, one of the things he talked about, the CEO, was lack of uh, the inability to attract talent to the right. St. Louis region. Crime was a big crux of his argument. <laughs> big. Was, you know, we can't have yep. we can't attract people to want people don't want to live here because of all the the negative national yeah. news that we're getting. Uh, Metrolink, he actually talked about the Metrolink not yeah. having turnstiles, which is absolutely insane that yeah. anyone can just walk onto the Metrolink without having to purchase a ticket, and you rely on sort of an honor system or uh, a security guard coming along and asking you to see your ticket. Uh, it seems again, I, we talked about this before, but I think there are some things that St. Louis has to do to be able to attract people and. Things like the McCloskeys, uh, you know, having yeah. a, a, a city bad image all the way. Having a city prosecutor has who has zero credibility. She, her, her office, everyone who can get out of there has left as far as you know, prosecuting attorneys because it's an embarrassment how little she has done to fight crime. And she focuses on issues like Eric Greitens in the photo that never came yeah. to fruition. Uh, the McCloskeys, you know, threatening to charge them. It's like focus on the crime. That's what's keeping St. Louis. That's what's holding St. Louis back yeah. is the crime. So why do you think someone like Kim Garner? refuses to you know, use her office to do things that could actually better the St. Louis region. Well, so one of the crazy things that's being kicked around now is defund the police. <clears throat> and Gardner may be feeling some pressure from this, which is, you know, slow down on prosecutions. The problem with the defund the police argument is it makes things less safe, and it actually is going to send average Americans to the gun store. And so you defund the police, 
we are going to see a lot more of the McCluskey incident where people are just going yeah. to buy guns and they may not be trained in how to use guns and they may not know what they're doing, but they're going to start shooting. And so it's just going to get worse. What do you think uh, is the bigger story on the McCluskey incident? The fact that he had the AK and he was brandishing the gun or he was wearing a pink shirt? <laughs> well, so the AR-15... Brooks Brothers with the Brooks Brothers yeah, logo. I, I mean, it, you couldn't have asked for... If you want to tee up some white privilege for the left commentators, <laughs> I mean, you couldn't ask for much more there. Yeah, I think it was the outfit. I think the <laughs> AR-15 has gotten a lot of press. Well, yeah. the way he was wielding press. it, it didn't yeah. really seem like he really knew what he was doing. Yeah, that's a good point. And in the interest of gun safety, I'm a big believer in training. Yeah. And there's a place down in Farmington, Missouri called Asymmetric Solutions, and you can go down there and do tactical training. Mm -hmm. And you can learn how to shoot an AR-15 and a handgun. And I think the McCluskeys might want to take a course because he was pointing the gun at his wife. <laughs> yeah, right. I saw that, yeah. And yeah. I don't know. Well, and you shouldn't. And she had her finger on the trigger yeah right you're never you supposed do that, to. i've taken right. tra gun training courses yes. my wife actually recently took a gun uh, training course you know Anne marie it's a little ter little concerning that she wanted to go take a, a gun but it was because of everything that's going on right yeah. now i mean honestly yeah. you can't in my opinion you know you can't rely on the police you know yeah. with everything going on right uh if something were to go really bad it, you it is on you to, to be able to protect yeah. yourself and your family and uh to your point what they did the mccloskey's i think it looked worse because of the way they sort of did it. Yeah. But, I mean, think about, put yourself in their shoes for a second. Yeah. We touched on this in the first segment. You've got a mob of 300 people breaking through a gate. On a You're out on a day. Sunday afternoon. Right. You're getting ready to have dinner. I mean, I can't imagine what the fear that they must yeah. have had uh, yeah. as they saw this happening. And, and they called the police and no one came. I mean, that's that, that's part of their narrative. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I sympathize with them. I, I also... I feel bad for the peaceful protesters who, you know, it's frightening to have a gun pointed at sure. you. And, and, they, you know, if there were kids there, you know, you don't want yeah. that happening. But to your earlier point, you go back, this was private property. Yep. And so did they have a real fear? Hell yeah, they did. Yeah. I mean, if you got that happening, they're on their front lawn. I mean, it, to me, it, it you know, it, there's plenty of blame to go around. But uh, to me, it goes back to Kim Gardner. Is this worth making more of a deal out of than it needs to be? Why aren't you focusing on crime? And you've touched on it. It's because she's supported by the radical left, the George yep. Soros, you know, defund the police, F the police, uh, the whole movement there. And so from your standpoint as a historian, if when you say defund the police or, or uh, abolish the police, what then takes over? How, how are people kept safe from criminals, from evil that exists in society? So if we re really defund the police, it's just going to be armed citizens. Oh, yeah, right. And we're going to see a lot more violence, and it's not going to be good. I think the real argument is what they're really saying is they want to move some resources to address some social problems. And they're talking about beefing up the welfare state. And the problem, though, is if you beef up the welfare state, you need to pay for it, and then you need to support capitalism. And so this is another thing about Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren talking about Scandinavia. Scandinavia is very pro-capitalism. It's very high taxes. And we can talk, we can have that discussion. But Scandinavia is not going to defund the police. And so we're having these discussions, but we're not really focused on issues. And we're not really talking about solutions. We're actually talking about ideas that are going to make things worse, not better. And it's going to play into the hands of the Republican Party. So... I mean, the good news is we have a democracy in this country, and it's not run by a cadre of elites. And so all of this stuff is going to end up going nowhere. And I think um, people like Nikki Haley are going to come out and 
be very appealing. Yeah, thanks. You a big Nikki Haley fan? I got to say, I think Nikki Haley yep. uh, has got a lot going for I her. Agree. And mm-hmm. I think she is really going to set a new tone. She's going to press reset. And I think it's going to be positive. It's going to be inclusive. It's going to be pro-free market. It's going to be pro-America. And I think a lot of people are going to be interested. I agree with you. And she's got great a great profile, having been a governor uh, of a southern state right. that, that brought a lot of jobs to her state uh, with the low tax, uh, low regulatory environment in South Carolina, serving as U.N. ambassador, strengthens her foreign, yeah. you know, foreign affairs credentials. Uh, I do think she'll be a strong candidate. I've actually met her twice. She came oh, yeah. to St. Louis. Uh, for two events uh, in support of Catherine Hanaway when Catherine mm-hmm. was running for governor back in 2016. I was super impressed with with uh, Nikki Nikki Haley. So it will be interesting to see. Uh, I am super impressed with Ravensburg Incorporated, uh, another one of our sponsors. Ravensburg, since 1958, has been providing interior build-outs for companies around the Midwest. Uh, includes movable wall systems, laboratory casework, athletic equipment, and customized commercial cabinets. Family-owned business, again, based right here in St. Louis, but they have offices uh, in Oxford, Mississippi, and Bloomington, Illinois, and they can provide any sort of interior build-out that you may need. For more information, please visit ravensburg.com or call 314-968-4020. That's 314-968-4020. Tell them Milty sent you. Smash, question from... I tell you what, man. What you're looking at, Professor, and you help develop him... (laughs) This is the next Ed McMahon. He endorses everything. Salute to this guy. Hey, it's only the good stuff. I only one day aspire to have property where I can enlist Ravensburg to uh, build a interior uh, that would build be cool, out or man. an inside gymnasium. If oh, got a big that space, would be cool, Professor Walker. I know you've got some extra space probably around your 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 place. Looking to put a, put in an interior gymnasium. Why not Ravensburg or a movable wall system? Or Great. maybe you want to isolate yeah. kids or your wife away from you for you know you can partition Big a room. sound room for the ukulele. Oh, now we're talking. All right, you're listening to the Mark <laughs> Milton talking. Show with the Smash, broadcasting from the Miller Furniture Studios. We'll be right back in a second.